Hi, Paul. Oh, hi, John. How are you doing? Oh, not bad. Where are you off to? I'm off to see my therapist again. Nah. Who's who's that? Oh, that's my wife. Yeah, I'm John's wife, Maggie. Why did you say that name? It, 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 it's my name? Yeah, her name, Maggie. Why did you say that name? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why is he shouting? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just how it started happening. Well, uh, he's my therapist. Let's ask him about it. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Come into the office, Paul. Pull up and see. Oh, uh, Paul, you you brought some friends along to your session. This is uh, a bit irregular. Well, uh, Dr. Harmful Stomach, these are my friends, John and Maggie. Why did you say that name? Welcome to DCOCD, the DC Events Podcast, where we're looking at every single DC event in order from 1985's Crisis on Infinite Earths all the way up to wherever we get to in the present day, in the future. Then the present day will change as we go ahead. But uh, today we have done our journey and we have arrived in 2002, which uh, means that we're looking at a great big bat event, and it is a Bruce Wayne murderer and then Bruce Wayne fugitive, and we're combining them into one. And so uh, this uh, took place, it, it was all kicked off in the Ten Cent Adventure, a special Batman book that cost ten cents, that's nice. Um, and then it crossed over about 36 different comics over four months, um, and there were eight different series involved. And it was mostly written by Greg Rucker, Ed Brubaker, Chuck Dixon, Devin Grayson, and Kelly Puckett. And the art, well, there's so many artists on this, it's very hard to name them all. We've got Scott McDaniel, Pete Woods, Rick Burchett, Steve Lieber, Phil Noto. Um, there's some covers by Brian Bolland, and many, many more. And it was all edited by Bob Shrek. But to cover this event, I have brought in two people. Yes, it is the team behind Married With Comics. It is John and Maggie Schaefer-Hames. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, Paul. Great to be here. <laughs> so you are actually married. This is not just a, a, a gimmick for your podcast, just to make it stand apart from all the others? N- nope, it's not a, cle- a clever ruse. No clever <sighs> ruse. We were going to do it as a clever ruse, but we thought it lacked authenticity, so we decided to go out and get married. Yeah. Wow. We really committed. And did the with comics start at the wedding? Did you uh, go down the aisle with comics in your hand, Maggie? Did uh, Flower Girls chuck comics in front of you? Or was the comic slightly separate from the event? Uh, they were actually immediately after the event when mm-hmm. we told our family we were all leaving town, and then we sort of kind of didn't and went to the comic book store and started our podcast instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That is living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, you do a podcast called Married with Comics, and you're here to join me to talk about this event. So, Jonathan, what is this one about? Well, this is Bruce Wayne Murderer and Bruce Wayne Fugitive. 
noted with the question mark on the first part and the uh, implied yes. exclamation part exclamation uh. mark uh, of the latter part. The story is is that Bruce Wayne is arrested along with his bodyguard Sasha Bordeaux are arrested for a crime that they didn't commit. They are discovered at a recently murdered body in Wayne Manor after spending all night uh, patrolling Gotham together. Uh, they are very quickly incarcerated. Things go bad. Bruce breaks out and acts like a complete jerk to the rest of his Bat family. Um, eventually, events conspire to that Batman gets over himself. They come back together. They arrest the real killer. So it's, do we reveal who the real killer is? or we, we, will, we will do that in the course of the rest of the thing. Oh, yeah. And then a rather satisfying aftermath happens that involves Deadshot. I love Deadshot so much. Anyway, um, so how did you guys find this one? What did you think of it? Was it a first-time read for you, each of you? Or? This was my first encounter with it, certainly. It was, it was a lot to bite off, I think. It was enjoyable, though. I did like it. I, I'm always keen to read Batman stories that I'd never encountered before, and this was a lot of them all at once. <laughs> I like the ones with the zombies, the mortician. I was really surprised to see a Batman zombie story, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that actually takes me back, because I, I, when I first got reading comics and it was probably in the late 80s like 87 88 around then i had a very clear idea of what batman was and he you know he fought crime so i had a real shock to the system when i thought saw him in a story with magic and thought well he can't fight magic he's batman he fights crime (laughs) Um, and i've since you know come to terms with that and realize you know the dc universe can be whatever it wants whenever it wants to be and batman is an infinitely flexible character um but it was one of the things that shocked me i mean it's like that revelation when you discover that someone who does the cover art isn't the same as the person who does the art on the inside um you get used to things (laughs) like that and then after a while you never ever think about them again because it's normal but uh, anyway sorry a little aside there all right so we like to categorize what type of event uh, we have and this one seems to be an occupier it gives the bat family books something to do for several months um you know proving bruce wayne's innocence and uh then capturing the real killer the man behind it all and other plots along the way um and it also is trying to be a fixer because um you know batman needs a little bit of emotional repair work in his relationships and one of the things is Batman very easily slides into the same state of having the same problems with all his people around him where he's just a total dick to them. Um, so he's mean to the people on his side. He won't work with them. You know, and this is something that you see come up in like Nightfall and go away again. And then you see it come up again in, uh, No Man's Land and it goes away again. And then it's, it was most recently in Officer Down. And, uh, you, John, you said this happens later in other books like Court of Owls and things like that. Court of Owls also in uh, Death of the Family, the exact same thing oh, happens sure, over yeah. and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Bruce Wayne's perpetual state to be in opposition to the people who are his supporters and uh, family. So, uh, But yeah, this was an attempt by the writers to fix that. Um, so you know, Bruce Wayne is framed for murder and basically goes off the rails and decides, I don't need to be uh, Bruce Wayne anymore, I'll just be Batman. Um, and he sort of forgets about the woman who got murdered and you know trying to sexually solve that crime at one point. And then he realises what a dick he's being and then he has to go back cap in hand to his family and say I'm really sorry we all work with me again and um, you know work out who the killer was and what he's up to and testament to his Batman family's loyalty they are trying to solve the crime the whole time anyway before he comes and so they've done a lot of legwork already so yeah that's what it's about and one of the main things that expresses this sort of 
plot redemption is um, Bruce Wayne's attitude to his bodyguard. So he has he, he has a bodyguard, and that, that that's a good little hook that uh, Batman can't be Batman all the time because he's got a bodyguard following him around. But she works out um, that he is uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman are the same person, um, and it's sort of he says that he let her work that out to sort of bring her into the fold because it's better to have people on your side than not on your side. Um, and she became a vigilante as well, uh, working at night with him, which is why it's awkward when they discover a body in Wayne Manor. They can't really say, um, oh, we were out fighting crime. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so the Sasha Bordeaux story really becomes one of the central parts of this as well. You know, she's in jail, she mm-hmm. can't get out, um, and eventually she dies in jail, which is uh, turns out to be faked. But um, And then she's liberated by Checkmate, one of the DC Universe's undercover covert organisations, and she becomes an operative for them and has a little um, plastic surgery, changes her looks, and, uh, yeah, and then goes off into the DC Universe to do all sorts of things. So uh, what did you guys think were the big deals of this series? I really liked the the detective work in it. It's something that we don't get so much anymore in uh, Batman stories uh, ever since probably Hush. After, like this is the last hurrah of the Batman's world's greatest detective. After this, he he becomes much more reliant on technology, and it's much more about how what what a level of a planner and like brilliant fighter he is. That's and almost this, a shame too. I like is. Detective Batman. I do too, and this is also Detective Everybody Else because that's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the story gets better as it goes. Because the him deciding to shuffle off, shuffle off Bruce Wayne and become Batman full time is very contrived, because he needed to do this, otherwise all of the Bat family together would have solved this crime in an issue. Oh, I see. What you mean. But they needed to be separate and take it all. But I, but I love uh, particularly Dick Grayson and Cassandra Kane reenacting the the crime scene mm-hmm. like that with the fight. And, and working it all out so that Dick has to determine for himself that Bruce couldn't do this. That they had all of all of the standard tropes of well, maybe Bruce did murder. I mean, there is a question mark in the in the in the the end of the name of this crossover. So right? it did kind of rattle the Bat family, and I sort of I kind of like that a little bit. I like the rebuild mm-hmm. with them and their trust. But it's once it moves into Fugitive, uh, the I mean, the artwork gets a little better and the the pace slows down which actually improves upon it it lets you it it gives it more time to to let the events um sit with you for a while because in the beginning of it it's one thing after another after another which almost makes you um not notice how ridiculous some of it is (laughs) i mean I, i can't be i can't be too harsh on it because it's 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 aping like crime TV drama, mm-hmm. but some of this stuff would never happen in real life. Bruce Wayne, um, even if caught in those circumstances, would not be in Blackgate Prison general population awaiting trial. It, it, that just would not happen because <laughs> if if for nothing else, the DA would want this trial. Mm-hmm. They would want the the spectacle of this trial and the amount of money so they would keep him as safe as possible because they knew what a liability it would do to put him into general population. That's just one, one thing of it. It did also just occur to me too, that the GCPD said that they weren't investigating any other leads because they were so sure that they had the right people. And then later on when it's discovered that they didn't have the right people, they just kind of swept that under the rug Mm -hmm. and didn't really pay attention to the fact that they were so sure. Mm -hmm. 
And they were dead wrong. Uh, also, it is a crime to break out of prison and f- and become a fugitive of justice. It does not matter if you are ultimately um, found innocent of the crime you were you were being <laughs> yeah. accused of. Yeah. You are still in waiting for that trial, which is the time when that gets decided. You see. So he still would have to deal with the repercussions of that, repercussions Repercussions even, with the repercussions of that. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point, too. And it's one of the things that gets lost in that is that, yeah, he did escape, and then he's just innocent, and yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Bruce Wayne's back, yay! One of my favorite parts to read was when uh, Batgirl, who I'm I'm constantly reminding myself not to call her orphan, because she's Batgirl, um, is sneaking around Wayne Manor in broad daylight, coming right up behind the police who are investigating the crime scene. No one notices her. It's, it, yeah, it's a really good showcase of, of what Batgirl does. She's really odd. I, I, I like her as a character. I think she's I think she's interesting. I want to read more stories with her involved in them. I quite like her. I'm glad she's back in the current things, in the current universe. And it's now that she's orphaned? She's orphaned now. Aha. Uh-huh. be good when we see her on, on the big screen. Oh, that's right. She's going to be in Birds of Prey. That's right. Yeah, she is going to be in the Birds I, of Prey oh, movie. I hope they don't ruin that. Uh, <laughs> but, but they will. Uh. <laughs> but on that, the scene with Cassandra doing all that stuff, it's a great bit of uh, visual storytelling with the medium. Just static images after each other. Really um, de- demonstrating a scene of somebody moving in a almost superhuman manner like behind people and Very grabbing Mission Impossible. Mary, exactly. But showing it in a way that you can't quite, couldn't quite get by showing it in a movie. Right. Just like almost you're just stopping mid scene and pausing. Right. Exactly. It's something unique to the experience of reading it in a comic book format. I think that you're able to do that. And I, I love it when moments like that jump out at you and you, rem- it just reminds you why you like doing this in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my, uh, my memory of this when I was going to read it again was that this was one I didn't like as much, but I wound up liking it a lot more than I I remembered once I got to the end of it. I mean, it's got I've got issues with it throughout, but yeah, and I'd never read it before myself. This was my first encounter with it. What are your favorite moments? There's a lot to take in. I was really happy that what I got to see at the end of the event was the Bat family working at least somewhat cohesively. I think at the at the end of the story, I always like. Um, a, uh, at least a semi-functioning Batman who's happy to have his family around him. I thought that the apology that he gave when he said he was a difficult person to know, I thought, <laughs> I thought that was about as close to an apology as he was probably going to get. <laughs> I think my favorite moments, uh, I think it's the stuff with Sasha in jail. I mean, like, the art really calms down there. Like, you've got some very fl- flashy art by mm-hmm. Scott McDaniel and Damien Scott, but uh, in a lot of these jail scenes, it has artists like Steve Lieber and Rick Burchett and really ground it. Like, they give it a reality that it needs at that point to say, that, you know, this is serious and it isn't fun and they're not going to do the things that they would do in a you know, superhero movie in jail. You know, it's just, this is prison and there's no way out and it's hopeless. And, you know, you see Sasha crying herself to sleep and being assaulted in jail by uh, other inmates and there's nothing sexy or fun or melodramatic about it. It is just very painfully real and I think that really adds to her story particularly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the things I really love about Sasha is she has an ongoing role in the DC universe for quite a few years after this. So this story ends with her ending her love affair with 
unrequited love affair, I guess, with Bruce, and then going off to join Checkmate, and we see her again in uh, the lead-up to Infinite Crisis with uh, the OMAC Project series. OMAC, that's right. And then she has an ongoing role in the Checkmate uh, book after that. Um, So, you know, there's some really good legacy for her. Like, she has many, many more years of story, and she's one of the major resistance players in Final Crisis when Darkseid has taken over the entire world. So, uh, you know, that's all fun stuff with her. And it's more, I guess it goes from police stuff to spy stuff, which is also Greg Rucker's other love. Now I have to read a lot of um, <laughs> other events over again yeah. because I had I had completely forgotten the tie between her, her, Sasha here in Checkmate. And I didn't remember at all in Final Crisis that that was the same character. So... Hooray! <laughs> I get to learn it all over again. And I guess we should talk about the uh, actual murderer in this book. So, uh, yeah, it's finally revealed that it is uh, Cassandra's dad, David Kane. And, uh, yeah, he, he's the murderer. What do you think of David? Well, when I first read this, I said, Who? <laughs> because, I kind of did, too. <laughs> because I wasn't a regular reader of Batman, like, leading up to this, but... Uh, I thought it was handled well. It was. I think there would have been a couple more intriguing choices. Like, what if it was the Riddler? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I do love the Riddler. He's my favorite Batman villain. I thought the thing that made that fall flat for me is it turns out to be Lex Luthor. If we, if we're to believe the events as described to us, Lex Luthor decides to frame Bruce Wayne for murder because he's mad at how Bruce Wayne treated him during No Man's Land. Mm -hmm. Lex Luthor then, completely by coincidence, hires a guy who knows Bruce Wayne is Batman, who who then decides not to share this information with his boss, but then on his own carry out this elaborately careful and convoluted method in order to not only frame Bruce Wayne, but then to make it really look like Bruce Wayne did it, but only to the members of the Bat family who have Batman-like abilities to look for shit. Yeah. Yeah. And... It would have been a much more intriguing if they would have revealed at the end that Lex Luthor knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman. Yeah. I think it was almost kind of implied, but they never do anything with that again. No, and I think at one point Batman actually does say that he's pretty sure that the person who hired the killer didn't know that he was Batman because mm-hmm. he thought because he knew all the other things that he was getting to at the time. Right. Pretty sure he said that. But it would have been interesting if Lex had known his. I'd, perhaps they went on a cruise together, just like Batman and Superman did, and that's how they found out each other's identities. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> we don't know what no, he no. does in his off time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they do a lot of expanding out Bruce's, uh, you know, the years when he went off and trained. It seems to be fertile ground for people to add in new characters and new stories. I mean, you had Ducard, which was added in Detective Comics 600, and then he became uh, what main character in Batman Begins. Um, and David Kane is another one of these, you know. Bruce Wayne travelled the world, met all these people, learned all these amazing skills, and this was one of them. Um, and therefore, these people can come back and threaten him because they all know about his training in between. So, yeah, it's a bit of a catch-22. So, yeah, I think it works in this story, but if on its own, without the issues before it, um, and without particularly the Batgirl series, um, it, it is a bit of a, a, a left field from nowhere. I don't understand who this person is and what his connection to everything and why do I care about him wanting to 
die or not. You know, and which brings us to the very end of the story where he's decided that he's given up on life because he's such a crap dad and he would um, rather die um, at the hands of Deadshot than, <laughs> you know, yeah. than live a life atoning. Um, and, of course, Batman has to stop Deadshot and, yeah, it, it becomes a new whole thing again at the very end. I really enjoyed Batman versus Deadshot trying to having to keep him safe on there. It, yeah. it, it was a great example of what makes Batman cool. Batman is risking his own life to protect the life of the guy who killed his ex-girlfriend and framed him for murder. And he's going to elaborate lengths in order to protect his life. It's not mm-hmm. a, I don't have to kill you, but I don't have to save you. It's, I don't want to kill you, but I also have to make sure that I will personally let Deadshot kill me rather <laughs> than you die. But I thought that was a good story. There's the added complication that uh, Deadshot also has a death wish, so he's looking for a good death as well in the midst of all this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> all these damaged people just shooting at each other. <laughs> you know, you'd think with all of these people that wanted to die around that more of them would have hit each other with bullets, considering how close they all were to each other with the with guns going off. They got real lucky. <laughs> All right. Well, we might play the promo for your show, and then we'll come back and we'll have some scoring. How's that sound? That's great. Hi, John. Hi, Maggie. I'm still wrapping my brain around the fact that we're married. (laughs) Me too, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Aw. Well, hey, I was looking at these old comics, and I noticed that there's a Hold that thought. Why don't we talk about it on our podcast? We have a podcast? It seems like the logical next step. We get married, we change our names, we combine our comic collections, we start a podcast about comic books. Well, I can't fault your logic, but there are plenty of podcasts out there already. Do you really think we'll have anything new and interesting to say? Oh, I think we'll manage. Welcome to the Married with Comics podcast, where we constantly f*** up. (laughs) It goes from Marvel Girl to Phoenix to Marvel Girl to Jean Grey, to Phoenix, to Dead. Um, <laughs> and then apparently he's so consumed with his own thoughts that he runs right past three monkeys. <laughs> yeah. in yep. A brainwave camera took a picture of that guy's head. <laughs> a brainwave right? camera. Uh, and Ben's just basically, whatever you gotta do to stop the commies, Nick. So join us at the Married with Comics podcast. We're two newlyweds with a love for comics intelligently, critically, and thoughtfully discuss comic books. Also listen as we goof around, make jokes, and make fun of John for mispronouncing names. I do that a lot. Sometimes we'll pick a topic and review and discuss comics that relate to the topic. And sometimes we'll pick up a comic and see what discussion topics come up. Sometimes we'll spend an entire episode talking about how much Maggie loves Batman. The only thing that's almost as strong as my love for you is my love for Batman. The Married with Comics podcast. Available directly on our site at marywcomics.libsyn.com, on iTunes, and wherever good podcasts are found. Also, check us out at Facebook at the Married with Comics podcast. We've got everything you need. And now it's the part of the show where we uh, get to the bottom of what's the score for this one. So um, the way we do that is we have scores out of 10, and usually it's me and a guest, and we do it, uh, you know, we give scores out of 10 for four different categories, and that gives us a score out of 80, and then we have a semi-person who comes on afterwards, and they we get their score, and then we halve their score. But I've got two guests today, which has created a problem, and so what's the best way to solve that? Random chance. So uh, Maggie and John, I believe you both have a 20-sided die in your hot hands. It's required by law. (laughs) 
<laughs> we had to have one when we got married. We did. Yeah, and it wasn't the rings. Forever. It was it was the D twenty. Okay. All right. So um, I will give my score and my summation of each of the categories, which are eventiness, writing, art and covers, and impact and legacy. And in between, we'll do your scores. But you guys, we're going to roll your die and work out which one of you is the semi for each one. So, and that means that this maths will be twenty times as harder than normal for this. So anyway, so. Eventiness. I'm going to give this a 5 out of 10 for eventiness. It really is just the Batman books. I mean, Superman pops up once to say, you know, are you okay, Batman? And Batman's like, get stuffed, I'm not. And that's all that happens, really, as far as the rest of the DC universe. You know, there's no JLA in this one. There's no Young Justice. There's no Teen Titans. Uh, it's really just the Bat books. But uh, it is very good at encompassing all the Bat books. So I'm happy to give it a 5 out of 10. Okay, so um, if it's ready, uh, can you guys roll your die and determine which of you is the semi for this eventiness? All right. Oh, well, that's not good. <laughs> Let's see. She got a three. I got a 13. That's 10 better. All right. Okay, that makes Maggie the semi. And uh, so, okay, John, let's hear from you on eventiness. Uh, it gets a six from me. It would have been a five, but it gets a small bonus for the Batman the Ten Cent Adventure. That that gimmick was such that it, it deserves an actual point towards the eventiness scale. I think that's what it was designed for. Oh, and Maggie, okay, what's your score? I'm going to jump on the five bandwagon and also score it out of five because it, it didn't have a lot of variety in DC characters. Like, you know, Superman, Catwoman showed up. I'm trying to think. and there, well, I mean, so it was essentially just the, the Batman books, but everyone was in it. But not the Bat villains as much, really? It's just only... No, not the villains, no. unfortunately. That would have been... Yeah. That would have been 30 issues longer. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> All right. And now for the writing. Okay, I... Well, I think the writing in this is top-notch. Like, I think it's some of the best writing I've seen in an event as far as the maturity of uh, the events in it, the plot, you know, the details are done really well. It's taken very seriously. I'm going to give it a minus a point, though, because I think the... uh, Bruce Wayne's emotional side is, um, you know, it's pretty immature considering <laughs> against the rest of the story. Um, like, he really is a, a very stunted human being as far as, you know, being able to cope with things and being self-aware and uh, dealing nicely with others. I guess you could say, yeah, he's had all this trauma in his life, but, yeah, he's been hanging out with this team for a long, long time. You know, more than, you know, 40 years in comic time, he's had mo- more than one partner. So, you know, it's... Um, it's one of those things. So, so I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Okay, and now, get your dice ready. Everyone got their dice ready? Yep. Okay, let's roll. Hey, that's better than last time. Oh. I got a 12, John got a 7. Yes, I am a 7. Okay, Maggie, you are the main OCD for this one. For the writing, I'm, I would rate it... I've been thinking about this. I would put the writing at, a, at an 8. I found... Overall, I enjoyed the story. I really liked the experience. I thought the writing was overall pretty solid. There was some ex- dialogue that I found to be, I want to say almost gimmicky, but not quite. Uh, what am I trying to think of? Contrived? Well, Cliche? no. <laughs> I'm just saying words. <laughs> <laughs> Got the encyclopedia out to see. Purple? 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 Purple prose? No. <laughs> I get that. I don't know what's no, no, but that that's that's my score. I will also give it an eight for the same reason. I, I would have given it a ten if not for the things Paul was talking about. It's there is too much contrived things about it that are there just to move the plot along. But even with that, the 
It's very gripping. You, it keeps your interest. It's paced extraordinarily well, very fast at the beginning, and then slowed out at the end. It mm-hmm. didn't think it didn't feel like it was going on so long. No, unlike, I didn't find it to be sloggy at all. Unlike, say, No Man's Land, which oh yeah, felt like it went on about two years longer than <laughs> than it should have. But so N eight. Okay. Uh, now, for the art and covers, I think the art is really um, good. I mean, it's got covers by Bill Sinkowitz and Brian Bolland, amongst others, and then some of the regulars like Scott McDaniel. But throughout, I mean, the art is, at its very worst, it's good. And it, uh, when it's great, it's absolutely amazing. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm giving eight for the art. Okay, and now it's uh, we've got to roll again. Okay, you guys ready? All right. Yep. Roll away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's... Aha! Beat me by one. I got 13, she got 12. Oh, okay. All right, John, hit us with the art comments. I'm going to be a bit more harsh than you. Uh, This gets a six. There is some spectacular art in there, but there is some art that I do not like, particularly in the Birds of Prey. I I do not like that style. Some of it looked like color forms being put down on backgrounds. And um, the Azrael I didn't like, and I was not a fan of... I don't know if I'm a fan of of Nightwing or not. I have to read that entire thing again. The, the art is not the kind of thing that I prefer, but I can recognize, you know, the skill in it. So that is my score. Oh, okay. And Maggie, I am going to rate the art at a six. I there was there were some panels that I really liked, but overall, I there was a lot of art that I wasn't a big fan of. It, it kind of still had a lot of that. 90s holdover with the the super muscles and i I, i've never liked that style um i was i kept finding myself like as i was reading it going of all the different artists why don't i like any of these (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying i'm really trying but there there were a couple panels where i was just like really but then again i did get a lot of um the 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 shadow batman with the squinty white eyes which is my favorite batman (laughs) (laughs) okay well yeah i guess i um yeah i think i giving the art better score because i came off uh joker's last laugh just before this so yeah maybe that affected it oh sure Mm. all right impact and legacy i well you know it's good to see Batman learning the lesson that he learns over and over again again. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Impact and Legacy, I mean, I think Gotham Central has uh, a pretty strong legacy. I mean, it's the book that spun out of this. Um, it didn't last, you know, more than four years. But, you know, from that, I think because of that, we have a Gotham TV show, which is still bizarre to me. But I think that's something to do with this. Um, I don't think they're done with some of the stuff that's here. I think, we're, you know, Cassandra Kane and her dad will, you know, continue to be a thing in probably different media, I would imagine, you know. But uh, this is where it all starts. So, speculatively, I'm going to give it a six for Impact and Legacy. All right. Now, you got your dice for the last roll of the day. Last roll. Well, that's technically a jack dice, but I'll take it. Oh, yeah, Shoo. for sure. Beat that. I did. No, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, Maggie, how do, where do you fall for Impact and Legacy? Full transparency. I am uh, uh, certainly the three of us here, the least familiar with, with, any, with the comic book universe and world. So to know for sure about the Impact and Legacy is tricky for me just because I haven't read quite as much as everybody else here. But I, I would say... This does seem to kick off the the Batman pushing away and learning the lesson pushing away. So I had put it. I'm going to give it a seven. Seven. I'll do it one better. Ooh, okay. And what about you, John? 
I'll also give it a seven. Uh, the things you were saying, I agree with. It, it also um, leads directly into OMAC project and then the, the various crises, crises that mm-hmm. follow it. Also, it informs Batman and Catwoman's relationship from this point forward up until the present day. Uh, before just really really solidified the okay the two of these have a a deeper connection and understand each other a little bit more than they had been depicted before also in terms of comics i don't know if i'm cheating to mention but uh, ed brubaker goes from here from here goes over to marvel and writes two of the most impressive runs uh, of that anyone has one in captain america and the other in daredevil as well as a good one in Iron Fist, but the, his writing in this one definitely informs his writing in the other ones too. There's a bit where Daredevil goes through almost this exact same thing, but it it's a completely different take on it. But the Bruce in prison reminded me of the Matt in prison stuff very oh, much sure. so, and you knew that he was remembering that and said, "I want to tell that story." Especially when he beats the crap out of the Nazis. I mean, that was satisfying. Yes. So I don't understand about Marvel. Marvel, what's Marvel? Sorry. <laughs> well, after you're done with this, we'll have to go back and do Marvel CD, and then we'll, you can read them all in order. Yeah, but DCO CD is a lovely palindrome. It sure is. <laughs> yeah, like Taco Cat. Yeah, and race car. All right, so let's add all these scores up. And okay, so I gave it 28 out of 40, and um, between the two of you, we gave it 27 out of 40, and. Then the semi-score is 26 out of 40, and then that halves to 13 out of 20. So we add that together, and that looks like we get 68. 68. So that puts it. uh, It's above uh, Eclipso, The Darkness Within. It's above Day of Judgment, but it is below Final Night, it looks like. So... Yeah, that's not a bad score, and it's uh, quite respectable. And I, I think this is where we're seeing the the effect of having these four parameters. You know that this is really well written, and we all really like the writing, but the eventiness and the impact of it are sort of a little bit of a letdown. So that sort of skews the score. It doesn't mean that it's crap, but it just doesn't land as high as an event as such. Right. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That was. Kind of, I'm not surprised by that score, that composite score. That's kind of how I would. View yeah. this this one in comparison to other ones over time. Yeah, awesome. So uh, I think that's it for the show. And I think we've got any feedback. But uh, if you would like to give us some feedback, we would welcome it most uh, most especially. So uh, you can send your feedback to at DCOCDcast on Twitter and to DCOCDcast at gmail.com. And what are you guys up to next? Ah, uh, well, we've got our podcast, Married with Comics. You can find us on Twitter, uh, MWC underscore podcast, or John and Maggie there. We're going to do a little spinoff project, which you'll either have heard about by the time this is out or shortly thereafter. We're going to keep that under the under our hats for a little bit. Although we did tell Paul what it was, so we, he may blackmail us into it later. <laughs> I can't remember now. Yeah. I also uh, appear on the Longbox Crusade show Transformers Chronicles once a month where we cover the Marvel and Marvel UK Transformers comics. And it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> and Maggie, you got nothing to say because John said it all. Pretty, yeah. pretty much, yeah. yeah I'm just along for the ride. That's yeah, how I, it goes. The, the, the shake-up for the Married with Comics, I, I think, is kind of interesting. And perhaps it's informed by that Longbox Crusade show. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Will we finally figure out what we're doing? Perhaps. You'll <laughs> never forgive yourself if you don't listen to our next show to find out. <laughs> Is this the end for Married with Comics? <laughs> Once a month, it seems like. It could be a divorce with comics. <laughs> okay, thanks everyone. We'll talk to you next time on uh, yeah, DC OCD. And I think the next show in the pipeline for us is ooh, JLA Avengers. JLA Avengers. Yeah, that's the next one coming. So thanks. The next show in the pipeline for us is... Ooh, JLA Avengers. JLA Avengers. Yeah, that's the next one coming. So oh, thanks. man. <laughs> I wanted to be I on that, that one. one. <laughs> Seriously, it's one of my favorite crossovers ever. Oh, JLA Avengers sounds amazing. Yeah.